So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to 90 Day Fiance MK. I'm Mr. O, and today, Miss H and I will be discussing Season 6, Episode 12 of Before the 90 Days. In this episode, Violet gets straight to the point about Riley's money, Cleo and Christian visit an astrologer, Statler spends most of the day thinking about what she's done, Gino and Jasmine talk babies, David gets closer with Sheila's son, and Misha and eats Nicholas' family. As always, we'll end with our students of the week, class dances, and life lessons. All right, thanks for listening. Stay safe and enjoy. Hello, Mr. O. Hello, Miss H. How are you today? I'm not doing too bad. I had to I had to go to work today, so that was one thing. But <laughs> yeah. I know. I feel bad because we always talk about that, and I'm sure every most people who listen are like, I had to go to work every day. Shut up. Right. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> does your work get you sick? Because it's been one week of school and the children have managed to get me sick already. <laughs> yeah, I that that that's coming. That's coming for me. It comes for everybody. Right, right. Especially, yeah, all those germy kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, Speaking of, let's go ahead and move on to, I think, our only child that we have, right? I think in our groups. Yeah, well, at least ones that we see on camera. The ones that actually show up on camera, yes. Yeah, so that's Mm -hmm. Sheila and David. So David, Sheila, Amy, the interpreter, and John Real, Sheila's son, uh, are all together. And there's a comment made about David's grunting that he's not quite aware of. Sheila is concerned that John Real thinks David is strange because he is deaf, but they're all on their way to the beach for a family outing. Sheila thinks it's important that David and John Real get along. David also wants to get along and sees how important it is to Sheila. David wants to be a good father because he's planning on proposing on this trip. David tries to break the ice by asking what kind of sports John Real likes, but then David is at a loss for what else he can ask after John Real gives kind of a close-ended answer. He then reaches over to play the hand-slapping game with him. John Real is very receptive to this play. David says that he remembers bonding with his dad that way when he was young because kids love to play and it's something that they can do without being able to communicate. They go into the ocean and David splashes John Real. John Real says that he felt nervous around David at first, but now he wants to learn some sign language so they can speak with one another. Sheila is happy that they're enjoying each other's company and bonding. Later, they're all at dinner discussing how fun they, how much fun they had at the beach. John Real liked it a lot, and Sheila tells him that John Real's dad has left him and they don't see each other. David says he is more than happy to be John Real's dad and doesn't want him to feel like he's alone, which makes both John Real and Sheila smile. David says that he's wanted a child his whole life. John Real does say that he doesn't want to move to America because he will miss his friends and family. David says that he will have fun because there is a lot to do and he'll be able to learn English. Sheila just hopes that John Real will change his mind. David says there are good schools in America and he can play sports. David can relate because it's like when he went to deaf school and had to move away from everything he knew. Sheila asks if David has space for both of them to live in the U.S. David says that the doesn't really have space with the place he has now, but he will have to find a place with an extra room. Sheila wonders if that would be too expensive, and David says it's his responsibility, and that's just life. David doesn't want to worry Sheila about money, but he does wonder how he's going to pay for everything, but he doesn't want to let them down. Sheila wants David to promise not to hurt them, and David crosses his heart and says he really loves them. All right, so it's Kind of was interesting that John Real was like, no, no interest in moving to America, but they kind of still talk about it like he's going to do it. Right. So how do you think this is actually going to play out? Because John Real seems like a sweet enough kid and he's been pretty receptive to David. But do you think he's going to be a little bit more rebellious if they're going to force him to do something he really doesn't want to do? Um, I mean, it, it's definitely going to come with its its bumps and hiccups, but like. I mean, mm, it's 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 really hard to see it not being a better situation for him that seeing where he's living right now and what mm-hmm. he's doing right now, and that yeah, no kid wants to move away from their friends and the the family and the only house they've ever known, right? Well, I think also like the whole you know you're moving and I'm just David. It's so nice that he's able to relate, but like in a situation where you can't communicate with anyone else. Well, that's the other thing I was wondering about it is like where. I can't remember where David's from. He's like from Ohio. Because uh, ne- 
Nebraska, like Omaha, Nebraska. Was that him, I think? Uh, it's somewhere in the Midwest. Yeah. Because I guess I was just thinking about me and my place. If he moved here, he would have people he could communicate to. Like there's a yeah. pretty big Filipino community, right? right. Like there's going to be people there that, that, that he's going to be able to relate to. Maybe not so much wherever in the Midwest David's from. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't know. I never, you never know where, where there's weird like pockets of like, Oh, this place has a huge Armenian community. Everyone knows it. And it's like, but right. random, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I doubt that there is because I think that's something that's different than when, when David got to the deaf school. All of a sudden mm-hmm. it was it was taking him away from, you know, people that he was having trouble communicating with anyway and bringing yeah. him somewhere with a bunch of people that he could relate to <laughs> very right. much and very closely. Sure, right? sure. And it was like, oh, wow, there's other people like me. That's amazing. Whereas I think that this is kind of the opposite of that. But – Mm-hmm. I know kids are weird because I, you know, I've seen kids like, and even when I moved my kids from like, you know, a tiny, you know, house to a bigger house, not that, you know, when they were younger, it, they were like, well, I don't know if I want to leave this house. They're like this other house is clearly better. And it's like, <laughs> and it was about the friends and stuff. It, it specifically be like, but I don't want to leave the house. And you're like, but. You get your own room in this house. This house is definitely better. And <laughs> I was like, going to say, what about this time around? You just had another move. Do you- I did just have another move, but my kids are teenagers now and are definitely like, this house is clearly better. And so, <laughs> But then they also have their mom's house that they don't have to move. So they're not changing everything, right? Right, right. But they also always hated the place I lived before. So yeah. now they're like, yeah, this I'm on board. Let's go. Um, but when they were younger, it's like they just they, – they tend to hold on to things. Right? Oh, sure. Yeah. More. There, I think it's pretty common knowledge that kids do not adapt well to change, which is why, you know, there's such a focus on as a parent, like, like oh, yes, being stable. Yeah, stability. Right? Stability, stability is number and one. routine Absolutely. and schedules yep. and yeah, all those yeah, things. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I definitely appreciated the hot hands because that is definitely my move with like kids who are a little nervous around me mm-hmm. is is playing hot hands. Like that is that is. An easy one because if they if they either know what you're doing and they're like oh yeah, yeah I've played this game before we can do this or they don't know and like it's easy enough to like just show you what to do and you're like oh okay I get it I get what we're doing yeah right? I thought it was really really sweet like their whole segment was really sweet and I kind of like weirdly want Amy to be part of the family too <laughs> I know Amy should just come with them that's right she was there she was playing in the ocean with them like that right thing. yeah she really is part of the family and. You know, I think it's great that, you know, they have someone like that to be able to bridge the gap of communication. But then I do worry a little bit about what happens when Amy's not there. Right. Right. What happens to their communication? I mean, just it. it she's I mean, Sheila's got to get better at ASL because it's going to be tough, tough, as tough as it is for John Real. He's going to be able to pick up both English and ASL. Sure. Right faster probably he'll probably pass sheila in his english proficiency i'd imagine relatively quickly i'm pretty impressed with sheila's english it's like enough to get by like you know and to do most of the things that you know because i mean she's been pretty good about speaking english like if anything for production this Mm -hmm. whole time you know but now that amy's around it's like now you see her speaking more tagalog than you know english but I mean, right. her English is pretty decent. Yeah, no, it's 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 fine. I don't. I think it's going to be a struggle for her still to get a job. Um, with, yeah, like definitely. she needs to be a little more proficient to get it to get to really hold down a job. Depending well, on, I guess, what she would do. It depends. Um, I was going to say on your skill set, which is something she's going to have to do. Like David, I I, I I appreciate David for like trying, but I definitely kind of get the idea that sometimes he's taking off more, biting off more than he can chew, trying to. Support everybody. Yeah, I think it'll be extra difficult at the beginning. Um, but once Sheila is able to get some money, I think that, you know, maybe she could even work with David. You know, the mm-hmm. kinds of jobs that David has seems like Sheila could also do those yeah, kinds of jobs. Yeah, stockroom jobs, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if like if that's the case, then I feel like that might be like fun for them, too. If they work together. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know many couples that work together. Besides, even the people who like met in, at work, they like one of them left the job or something. So it's oh. that's an interesting. Um, that's interesting because I was going to say in the teacher world, I feel like yes. there's always married couples at schools. Well, there was. My, my, my cousin married a teacher that he met at the school that he worked at, but then she left. And it was yeah. like. Yeah. I was going to say there were at school. least like four married couples at my old school. Oh, I don't think we've ever had a married couple at my school. Yeah. 
So no, I've we, I've had wait, a bunch. We, we have we we we've had that that like that same situation here where they like started dating in the school and got married and left the school. But I also have a lot more teacher turnover than you do, so people are just leaving all the time. So. Oh, I was gonna say, uh, I think um, the teacher situation is more so like they were married before, and then one person was teaching there, and then all of a sudden another one like the other one got the job there. Yeah. So. Nobody wants to work at my school. So that's like, he's like, should I come work at your school? It's like, no, why would you want to do that? Get away. That's You're a like, let idea. me leave and go to this other, your school. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So all the married couples are just somewhere else, right? They just, uh, they, they, the, yeah, the, the husband or wife got a job and the other one was like, I'm coming with you. That's what yeah. happened. All right. So speaking of maybe jumping out of marriages, uh, let's go, let's go Gino and Jasmine first. So Gino and Jasmine are back in Panama City. And the first scene we see them is using, the same nose hair trimmer on each other, Ew, gross. which just was very gross to me. I was very I was like, grossed out by that whole it, thing. First of all, people need to use nose hair trimmers. I understand. Sure. I don't need to see it. I you definitely don't need to see your partner using it on you. That's, yeah, that's weird. That's nerve wracking. And you definitely don't need to use the same one. Like, get well, your own. I got the impression that they didn't even super fully trust each other. No, they didn't. Like, no. I barely trust myself with a nose hair trimmer. Like, I would not trust anyone else to do a nose hair trimmer. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, anyway, we see that. But things, they say, are going much better after their sexy trip to the to the West. So, they kiss. And then, like, for a while on the scene, there's, like, a huge smear of lipstick on Gino's cheek. Why doesn't she notice it to wipe it off? I don't know, but it's there for a while. Yeah. Um, so Gina's feeling better about things because she opened up to him about her insecurities. And Jasmine is feeling better because Gino's using his blue pills. <laughs> so they go for a walk and Gino is already making cracks about like, whoa, maybe you're pregnant. Um, she's, he's at least thinks they're not using protection. Well, they didn't use protection, but maybe it's something they should start talking about. So we remember from previous seasons that – Jasmine had been taking birth control without letting Gino know she was on yeah. birth control. Um, and I don't – didn't really get a thing of where if she's currently on it or not. But he knows about that now. So he thinks, the, you know, that what good weekend means, well, you know, we got together. We had some fun times. It, it's baby time. We're good. We're good. We should just start with this. Um, so they sit to talk about it and Jasmine kind of says she knows she likes the idea of having a baby with him. But – Babies are very difficult and also their relationship is awful and they would be bad parents. <laughs> oh, God. I love that. I love that she said that. She Because she didn't say you. She's like, no, we would yeah. be bad parents. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So she – I mean, mainly it's because two reasons. One is they're old. Yeah. Um, and Which, two – ridiculous. It's more like he's old. But he's I love old. how she says we are old. <laughs> I forget. Especially She's 35. With, I know. With when I see her, every time I see her in the like interview segments in her surgery, she yeah. looks like ten years older. Yeah. Like I'm like I look at her, I'm like that's like a 46, 50 year old person, oh, right? Goodness, it's like yeah. it's crazy. Um, so anyway, yes, she's thirty five. So really, yes, it's his the him the one that's old. <laughs> but he's like, well, what? She, you know, kind of like so you're old. What's going to happen like when you retire? And he's like, that's great. That's the plan. I can retire early and then walk the kids to school, and <laughs> it'll be great, right? So, and then, you know, it'll be two on one. We're only going to have one kid anyway. We can totally do it. Plus, my family's going to be around and they'll help out too. And she doesn't know how much she can rely on his family because she's not even sure his family will even be able to stand her or be in the same room with her at all. So, it's just another like hugely stressful thing, especially considering she's moving to another country. She's getting visas. There's enough stressful things. So she does – she says that she thinks Gino deserves to have his own kids if that's what he wants, but also isn't really sure that she wants anymore. So she asked him a hypothetical question. You know, she was like, what What? What would you say if I told you I 100% didn't want kids? Would you, would you break up with me? Would you marry me? Would you still do it? And he kind of doesn't directly answer that question because he's like, oh, I, I, I could survive without a child, but I'd be happier with one. Um so he asks, why, why is this coming up now? Like, why you know, we have this conversation before? And she was like, well, two reasons. One, I thought if I'd shared my concerns, you know, you'd break up with me. And two, 
it didn't matter because we weren't having sex. So that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> valid. Both of them valid. Yeah. So Gino says, you know, he's of two minds. Jasmine is the love of his life, but he does, doesn't, he wants really to be a father. So his solution, this is Gino's solution to everything. We'll just wait until later to figure this out. Maybe, oh maybe when we get to the U.S., she'll change her mind. Um, so is there a least predictably awful, awful solution to maybe if I wait, she'll just change her mind? No. Um, didn't we have another couple that was trying to wait it out? Oh, uh, Bilal and Shida. Oh, right. Bilal kept just, trying to wait right, it out. Yeah. And you're just maybe trying to wait, wait it out. Yeah. And you're just like, well, time is not on your side if you're trying to conceive, you know, and well, you're at least his made sense. Right. His made sense because he was the one who was like, he, oh, yeah, the one yeah. who didn't want kids, was like, right. well, let's just wait. Well, let's just wait. Well, let's just wait. Trying to run out the clock. On this one, the person who wants kids is like. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's stupid. Like, okay, wait it out, you know, and then and then what when you have difficulty conceiving? Because as Jasmine says, she's so old, you know, but. She's so old. Yeah. Uh, you know what I thought was more interesting, though, is um, Jasmine kind of pointed out that one of the reasons why she kind of felt this way, and I felt like she had a very real perspective on the whole parenting thing, is because she is a parent to two boys. Right. And she said, it's very chaotic. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's – I just don't see why being a stepdad isn't enough for him or at least enough for him to see like – wow, these kids are a handful because Jasmine doesn't even have full custody of her kids. Like, we barely ever hear about her sons, really. Yes. And if it's to keep them off of camera, good for her. But it's like... I don't like, think it is. I don't think it is either because nowhere did they mention, you know, that they were living with her in the new apartment. They mentioned her sister's living with her in the new apartment. So her sister has, you know, a, a room. So that's why they have a two-bedroom. But... You know, the boys don't live there. And it's like, I just feel like it. there's got to be a reason. And, you know, it's like, do you want this woman kind of co-parenting? Especially when she kind of is telling you that, no, we would make terrible parents. Right. Somebody who kind of already knows. Yes. Knows she's... what it takes. <laughs> knows what it takes and know what knows how what she brings to it. And right. Well, yeah. I mean. Yes, because her thinking of Gino is going to be an old man trying to raise his kid. Right. But also knowing that, yeah, you're right. She, I, I'm pretty sure she does not have custody of any of her children. Right. And so it's like, that's kind of like, I've tried that twice and it didn't work. And, you know, and it, it's definitely that thing that, that comes across a lot of times in couples that, you know, the one person who already has kids is mm -hmm. like, I'm good. And the other person doesn't have kids. And it is you know, unfair to string them along, but I don't think she's stringing them along. Well, also, I'm sure there's like some guilt associated with, you know, having children and not really being as involved in their lives. And it's like, I'm sure that there's got to be some part of her that's just like, I don't want to do this again, because especially I'm sure she's considering how volatile her relationship is with Gino to get in a situation where, you know, she could be a single parent or, you know, uh, Gino has custody of her son, you know, mm -hmm. in America and she can't be there anymore. Like those are all like situations that it just seems like right. could be. I could see that. I could see it. I can't, I can't stand having a third kid that I won't see. Right. Like, right. Mm -hmm. And so her like considering like, you know, what she's kind of going through right now with her two current kids and not wanting to kind of recreate a similar situation. Like I could see her being incredibly hesitant. And uh, it's just, I don't know. Gino is saying that he can't feel complete without kids. It's just like, I, can you? Because I have to agree with her. He's kind of old to start like being real serious about like, oh, I'm yeah. 50 something. Now I want to be a dad. It's like, well, most guys who really wanted to be dads were probably trying to work on that when they're like 20s and 30s. I think he might have. I don't know. He's just weird in that he's terrible in relationships. He's just that bad yeah. relationships that he just keeps because he was divorced already. I don't know. It just it. You're right. It seems like kind of a late in life thing to decide. I mean, right. And luck of a draw, guys can you know, physically do that at 52, sure, sure. right? If you if you kind of come to that realization late. But 
don't no, know. No, but just... then that's what makes me like question his sincerity about like, oh, you know, children will make me complete. It's like, <sighs> so are you trying to say you weren't a complete person You're... for the last, you know, 30 some odd years, years yeah. that you were of childbearing age, you know? Well, I mean, and we saw him. He doesn't, I mean, and to each their own. If you are happy pounding away your hungry man dinners and <laughs> yeah. w- at your TV tray, and watching the watching the shows and the, then fantastic. If that's your happy life, then live your happy life. But when you get to be that age, it's really hard to change, and oh, it's sure. a lot of change very quickly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, uh, so let's move on to Riley and Violet. So Riley is meeting Violet with a giant bouquet of flowers in hand. He really wants to make it work with Violet because he thinks that they are compatible despite their arguments. He thinks that if they both acknowledge their roles and part in the argument, that they can get past it. Violet shows up and says that she isn't doing well. She hopes that Riley will take responsibility and she thinks it's his last chance. Riley presents the flowers to Violet and gives an apology. Violet says she's not sure if she can get over it because what he did was terrible. Riley says he understands now that only family can ask difficult questions, and his friend Tiffany is not family. Violet says that it's not just that, but the fact that they both have treated her like a criminal and pushed her to answer questions, and he did not protect her. Violet cries and says she's so disappointed in him. Riley admits that he should have protected her. Violet says that his apology isn't sincere enough. Riley then asks if she thinks that he is 100% wrong in this argument, and Violet says yes. She has no (laughs) fault in this. Riley then asks how can they move forward if he asks questions and he feels hurt if he doesn't get an answer. He feels like she's hiding something and is being deceitful, especially since he is so open with her. Violet claims that she doesn't answer his questions because her English isn't good enough. Violet says that if something is complicated, maybe a way to move forward is they can write things down and translate it. Riley is excited that they have a strategy. Violet tells him she just wants a man to love her and protect her. Riley concedes that she's not asking for anything unreasonable. He says that he wants to earn her respect back in the last four days that he is there. Violet says that she will give him one more chance and accepts his apology. Meanwhile, Riley tells us that he's suspicious that she doesn't really answer his questions because she doesn't understand. They make plans to go to a Buddhist temple the next day. Violet and Riley both end their conversation with a smile. Riley is getting his traditional garb, as he puts it, ironed for the visit to the temple. Riley says that he doesn't have the time or energy to keep arguing with Violet. Violet thinks Riley looks mantastic. That was his words, not hers. Mm -hmm. And Violet wants inner peace after all the fighting and hopes to get that from the temple, even though she wouldn't really consider herself Buddhist. Riley also feels at peace in the temple. Riley says he prayed not to hurt anybody with his decisions. Violet prayed for them as a couple. Violet says that there are still things they need to discuss before he leaves, and she alludes to some kind of secret. After, they're flying kites, and Riley is really into it. Violet wants to know how he will take care of her and her family. She brings up his promise to help support her when she comes to the U.S. Violet then asks how much is in his bank account and how he plans on supporting her and his daughters. Riley says that he has 100000 in investment and in savings. Violet doesn't know how far that will get them in the U.S., and Riley says it's not a lot of money, but he lives simply, and it's enough to support them. Riley hopes that being open with her questions will encourage her to also be open to his question. Riley brings up Violet texting his dad, and he asks if she regrets it. Violet says it wasn't her fault. There are no regrets. Violet says that she was really mad and only told his dad the truth. Violet then gives him the nickname King Kill Feelings because he always kills her feelings. Riley's frustrated because he says he owned his bullshit and he wants her to do the same. Okay, so Mm -hmm. uh, do you uh, agree with Riley? Do you think that Violet needs to also own her bullshit because through this entire segment, Violet has not admitted to anything, doing anything wrong. Everything is 100% uh, Riley's fault. 
Yeah, no, I have to agree with Riley on this one. Like, that's bullshit. She did. She definitely did things wrong. Like, she definitely has a part in what's going on here. It is not just like because it. And I would give you on okay the restaurant thing when he sprung the thing. Okay, I, I, I'll give you. She didn't really do anything wrong there. Mm-hmm. Calling the dad though, that was fucked up. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, and yeah. that was. It, it can't just be like you can't. It, it's one of the most you know. Annoying things to hear people say. Well, it wasn't wrong because it was the truth. Right. Like that's not no. That that, was, oh, that that drives me absolutely nuts. My sister always does that. It's like you know she'll hurt people's feelings. Well, when I mean people, I mean my feelings. Right? She'll hurt <laughs> right. my feelings because she'll say something completely just insensitive. And mm-hmm. maybe there's truth behind it. Who knows? But it's like not tactful. It's really insensitive. Right. It probably didn't need to be said. Didn't need to be said, for right? sure. Right. Mm-hmm. And she'll say it and it's then she kind of hides behind, well, it's the truth. I don't know why you're getting upset with me. Right. Well, especially when it's like an opinion of something. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that dress looks awful on you. Like, why, why would you say that? Like, that doesn't, am I going to go home and change it? No. Like, and that doesn't, Change, it didn't help the situation. You make me feel bad. And you're like, yeah. but it's the truth, though. Right. Like, oh, okay. Like, that doesn't that doesn't make it a, 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 the right thing to say. And it's not like – and so whatever she said to the dad, even, even if she said the truth to the dad, there was no right. reason to call him with the truth. That was unnecessary. Yeah, right? absolutely. And also, I don't even – feel like she, you know, called the dad and was like, or texted the dad, you know, factual things that happened. Riley did this. I mean, she said, you know, Riley is, um, you know, untrustworthy because he did this. So it's like, you didn't just factually say what Riley did, like the truth. Mm -hmm. You add your perspective and your conclusions to it. So I I think that's like the part where I don't think she really gets that. It's like, yeah, there's like based in truth. But at the end of the day, you're still shit talking, Riley. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, that's the thing. Like that dress looks awful on you is not a factual statement. Like you can't say it's the truth. Like if you were like. But you're saying like you are wearing a dress that is two sizes too small. Right. Yes. That would be the truth. Right. That would be but the truth. you're not just right. saying that you're saying you're wearing an ugly dress that is two sizes too small. <laughs> so that right. is like, you know, the difference. And so you don't know how to dress. Yeah. And, and right. you, I'm right. going to call your mom and tell her she should have taught you how to dress. And it's like, right. okay, well, now we're go. We've gone way, way past just sharing truthful, factual information with me. Right. And right. Uh, yeah, King and. King kill feelings doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> no, I think she really means like King buzzkill. Yeah, that's probably what right. she's going and for. And I yeah. kind of thought so a little bit. He seemed to be so excited, like a little too excited about flying these kites, you know? And then it's like, uh, you're in the middle of a good time. And then all of a sudden it's like, let me ask you a question. It's like, okay, oh my gosh. Okay, but let me ask you a question came after they were flying kites and she was like, so... How much money do you have oh, yeah, altogether? Just true. add it up for me. Like, I think that was the start of the killing of the buzz. That <laughs> that was the dumbest question because it's like she could do absolutely nothing with that answer. Even when he gave her a dollar amount, she was like, uh, is that a lot? And it's like, why'd you even ask him? And to be to his credit, he did admit that that was not a lot because right. it is not a lot for somebody who's in their 50s. And like, I'm assuming ca- counting his retirement accounts oh, when he yeah, says yeah. my investments, right? Right. I would assume like his assets, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. No, it was it was kind of funny. But I mean, I think she could have asked that question in a way because I think at the end of the day, she just wanted to know that they were going to be financially taken care of. Right. So right. I feel like there was another way to pose that question without like getting into these Kind of almost like insulting details because, right? you know, like there are certainly cultures. And for us, I think, in, like as Americans, it's not even so much a culture. It's more of a generational thing. Uh, younger people are a lot more open about, you know, salaries and full transparency of finances. But yeah. older generations are much more private about those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And so to ask like a question like how much is in your bank account, it could be like offensive. Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, you know, there's, I feel like there's a meme going around that says, you know, never, never ask a woman how old she is. Never ask a man how much is in his bank account. Right. And then another, like, and then the third thing is the joke of the meme. Right. 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 Yeah. But so, yeah, just very directly and very like out of nowhere. Like right. that question came away. We weren't talking about money. He was like flying the kite and she was like, so your money. Uh, you got Let's enough talk of it? about this. Let's talk yeah. about that. And like I said, like the kind of question she asked about it, like had no meaning to her whatsoever. Yes. So it was totally yeah. I mean, pointless. it was. Yeah. She didn't have any kind of idea of the exchange rate or how far right. money goes in the U.S. You get nothing. It's just he could have said like 70 bloop. 70 yeah. bloop. didn't. Like, okay, that's great. Sounds awesome. Like, Well, this is what I'm confused about, too. Like, her daughters look to be close to, like, adult age. Sure. They sure Like, do. you know, within four years, let's say. Mm-hmm. Right? The visa process isn't short. Right? So, it's like, right. to what end are you dragging your daughters along for the ride? You know, and making this man kind of support your entire family. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was different when talking about you know Sheila and John Real and 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 that he's he's a child that needs oh, support. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, these these this just sounds like mom's going to move with him with her husband and he's going to keep sending us money here in Ho Chi Minh City right. and we'll be fine. Like it'll be great, just indefinitely. Yeah, I could definitely see that too. Yeah, um, there are moments where I'm just like I feel bad for Violet because Riley is so stubborn, but Violet isn't great either. She's not. Neither of these people no. are good. I would not no. want to be. I don't even know if I want to be friends with either of these people. Like, they're just just so, like... I feel like being friends mean. with Violet would be kind of fun. Yeah, I I could see Violet being fun if she was, like, your gossipy co-worker. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just... I feel like she's that snarky friend that just, like, you know, is humorous. Yeah. Tells it yeah. like it is, right? Right, which is fun until 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 you're the target of the snarkiness. Sure. Like, wait, wait, that was bad. I didn't like that part. Right, no, no, no. right. Make fun of the other people. All right, so let's move on to Statler and Dempsey. So Statler's sleeping on the couch, oh no, while Dempsey's getting ready for work. So the Valentine's Day, you know, Dempsey says started pretty awesome and then went downhill when Statler talked about how she was still in contact with her ex. So Dempsey doesn't think thinks that if that chapter isn't over, then Statler shouldn't be new up a new chapter with her, let alone moving in together, which is the other thing she wanted to do. So the only thing they say to each other pretty much is, are you going to work? Yeah, bye. Um, but when she leaves. So that's good because Dempsey just really needs a day to think. So once she leaves, we're then we then get Statler's side of what's going on. Like she doesn't under she doesn't get what she meant. How are we rushing into this? We've known each other for months. And like, oh sorry, we've been talking for months. And, you know, the X thing didn't mean anything. So why should she be mad about that? So then Statler calls her friend Natalie um, and tells her about everything that went down. So they get to the part where Statler said she was moving in and, you know, Natalie was pretty good. Like she just, as you can hear her saying the story, she's making like big bug eyes at like, wait, 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 what? You did what? And she keeps going and Natalie thinks maybe, maybe by bringing up your ex, you may have implied that you had other options if she didn't want to move in with you. (laughs) And that's kind of bullshit. Um, so Statler's like, oh, well, I guess when you say it like that, mm-hmm. uh, maybe it could have been taken that way. So Natalie's suggestion that she needs to put the getting serious stuff on the back burner as not to scare Dempsey away. But Statler is really concerned that mm, that's tough to do because my lease is ending and I kind of need to do something now. And also because she's 33 and isn't it time that someone just give her unconditional love already? 33. So Dempsey comes home from work after Statler's been at home all day, worrying that like she's just going to come. Dempsey's going to come home and just be like, that's it. We're done. Break up. So they awkwardly as awkwardly as they always do, sit down and talk about their feelings. So Dempsey starts kind of with the idea that, you know, I love you and everything, but it's too much too soon to move in together. Um, You know, they should. What she wants to do is enjoy their time here. Separate, go to different countries reflect, let things digest, let things see how you feel about it after, you know, this initial like euphoria part is over and then reassess what they want to do then. But Statler seems to just have like kind of a shark mindset for relationships. You either move forward or you die. Those are the only two options, like (laughs) forward as fast as you can. So she thinks that 
the seven months they've been talking is enough for her to fully commit to give up everything. And if she's willing to give up everything, well, then what right does Dempsey have? So she thinks that and, – and it really seems pretty clear that what she thinks Dempsey's plan is is to start the long distance fade out. Like we separate oh and then uh, – Well, we I mean in her yeah, defense, yeah. something very similar like that happened to her recently. Sure. So Dempsey is like still finding things out about Statler though, right? So she's still talking to her ex and she doesn't know what other surprises might be on the horizon and she doesn't want to be you know, stuck in living with that person. So Statler shares kind of her internal feelings about her want for unconditional love and how, you know, because she's adopted, which meant she wasn't wanted even before she was born, which I, I, I guess that's her truth. Okay. Um, so Dempsey gets to where Statler is coming from, you know, and just wanting to have all the love that she felt like she was missing out on as a child, but how that's also not a good reason to jump into a relationship too fast. <laughs> um, so Dempsey says she doesn't want anything to change between them. They just need to move slower. And so then they it didn't they seem to be okay for now since you know Statler like doesn't have to sleep on the couch again. Um, so I mean, uh, it, it is part of a problem. She's not going to find somebody who actually thinks that a seven month relationship is that long. Like she's like, oh my god, it's been seven months already. How are we not moved in? Like. <laughs> I think the problem with Statler is that um, and I can relate to this because I have been guilty of it plenty of times in my past dating life, too, is this rush to kind of lock down someone. And it's mm -hmm. because you want that stability, right? You want you don't want that anxiety of like, will this person leave me? You want to be in a place where you feel like there's a level of commitment there where this person isn't on a whim going to up and leave. And so, I mean, you know, the varying milestones to some people, that's just like, you know, saying that you're like exclusive. Some people it's like marriage, you know. So, I mean, mm -hmm. what you kind of view as stable is dependent on, you know, different factors. But I think the problem is when you're like stat and you're rushing to get to that milestone of stability where you don't know the person and then you're at this point of commitment and then you're just like, oh, do I even really want to be with this person because I don't know them as well as I thought I did. And I think that's what Dempsey's trying to bring this right. back to and kind of keep her grounded. It's like, we don't really know each other. You are wanting to commit to me without really knowing me. And you're just yes. hoping for the best. Well, it's, that's, that's funny because I definitely like have heard both sides of that. Like mm -hmm. my, my, the, my current partner I'm with said that's happened to her many, many times. It's like the number of people who are like, I'm totally in love with you. And she's like, no, you're not. You don't know me. Like, right. Get out of here. Like, <laughs> sure. And that, and it's one of the things for her that's like, oh, we're done. You need to go away. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't deal with that. Right. Well, I think that's just, a separate issue altogether. It's sure. Like the psychological, like, uh, you know, hard to get, uh, less available is more attractive. For sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and but in but in terms of just being like, yes, the it doesn't feel real and it mm -hmm. doesn't feel like they want it for the right reasons when you feel like they want to commit to you without knowing you. Sure. Right? Sure. Um, right? I've definitely had, you know, like in my dating past where it's like I I hate that anxiety of, you know, like you're just dating. Right. And like not knowing where you stand with that person. So that's mm -hmm. why I feel like I'm quick to like be in a relationship. But plenty of times I've like all of a sudden this person is like my boyfriend, you know, and then it's like a week later. I'm like, God, I don't even know if I like this guy. <laughs> you know, it's like not even that long after I've like kind of felt like I made somewhat of a commitment to this person. You know, That's I'm just fair. like, I don't like I don't think I like this person as much as, no, you know. Yeah, I've been there for a few of those. And it tends to be that we locked you locked down the exclu ex exclusivity. Right. And then you're like, oh, they kind of actually like this person. Yeah, they actually kind of <laughs> suck. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I get that. Uh, but what I really appreciate appreciate about Dempsey is she is like reassuring Dempsey. Uh, you know, Statler of her feelings and giving her that stability without giving her that intense, like, right. too fast of a commitment. Right. Well, and then the thing is, is that's like, I mean, Statler said something that I just fundamentally disagree with. She's like, I just believe when you're in a relationship, oh, you right, just got to right. lead with your heart. Yeah. Right? I was like, no, don't do I'm it. Like, that's stupid. <laughs> I, I, 
your heart is awesome, but your heart wants to do the your heart wants to jump off the goddamn bridge. Right, like, right. That's what your heart wants to do, and your brain has to say, "Listen, heart, I know right. where you want to go." Please let me get you there. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because if we follow you, we're just going to jump off the boat into ice cold water and then we'll die. Like it is right. not going to work. Yeah. Your like, heart. Like and really when people say that, it's like impulse, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just like, well, your impulse is to get to point A as fast as freaking possible. And that right. might be dangerous. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're right. Let's let our brain do the navigation. It might take us a little bit longer, but we'll get there. Right. And you'll get there in a way that right. if you did follow your heart, you would not. Right? Right, right. right. If you just did what your heart wanted all the time, you wouldn't get where you wanted to be. But because I do think, and especially someone with Dempsey, it it, it just it's going to take time for that to develop into something organic. It has to be an organic connection. It can't be just like, well, we've decided we're connected. Now let's figure it out how we're connected later. Yeah. And that's – and I, that makes, I don't know, that makes that makes more sense to me for sure. Right. Uh, speaking of spiritual connections, let's oh, move geez. on to Christian and Cleo. So Cleo is going through her beauty routine. She feels like there's tension after the argument that she had with Christian the night before, and now she has her guard up. They are off to do a couple's astrological reading, which Christian doesn't even try to hide his disappointment. Yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah. Cleo tells us that she takes astrology very seriously. Uh, They both take little digs at each other from the night before in a thinly veiled attempt at humor. Christian thinks that astrology is mumbo jumbo, but he's trying to have an open mind. Cleo points out that all Geminis don't believe in astrology because they get a bad rap. Christian points out that he was born on the same day as Donald Trump, and he claims to have nothing in common with him. (laughs) They meet with Evelina, who will be doing the reading. Evelina has done a composite chart, which will give them an idea of how compatible they are. They are connected to each other on a subconscious level. They value communication, but Christian lacks tact and empathy, while Cleo can be a little too sensitive. Evelina sees that they might see each other as the enemy, and Christian says he can already see that. Cleo wonders if they could be a toxic couple. Evelina says that there are lessons they have to work on together, and she tries to subtly say that it won't work out for them. Cleo starts crying. Cleo is thinking about how things used to be great when they were talking on social media, but since she's met him in real life, it's been just filled with problems. Cleo just isn't sure if she's ready to deal with the end. All right. As someone who is very into, not you, by the way, I know you're not into it, but Cleo, as being someone who is very into astrology, do you think that she would break up with Christian based on this reading or would she say like, I, my heart knows better. I'm going to make this work because I feel like she's at like this moral dilemma here for like. (laughs) <laughs> philosophically for her yeah i mean hmm from what i found okay based on my experience with astrology is most of the time people who are really into astrology keep digging until they get the answer they want yes like well that. yeah but what was his moon sign i got to look at the house of the moon that influences right. what the sun sign is and maybe it takes a little edge off and makes that that makes it a little better and then saturn was in the window of this and then it's all of yeah. a sudden like and then they find a reason that it's like well at first it seemed bad but actually this is a pretty good connection right yeah i've i've I feel like I've seen that play go down a bunch of times. Oh, I'm sure. But Evelina, like, I thought it was interesting. And, you know, it's like one of those things where you wonder how much she actually knows about both of them. But I was like, dude, she's spot on. Like, everything she said, I was like, yes, Christian does lack tact and empathy. That is exactly him. Cleo, (laughs) a little too sensitive. But, I mean, I can at least see where she's coming with that, you know. But you're just like, yeah, Yeah. Christian sucks, which is basically what I feel like Evelina was saying. Right. And that's what's funny is, like, I would definitely not on TV to be like, do I seem like Donald Trump to you? Because I feel like. I'd be like, uh, yeah, you kind of do. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And it's like, "Mm, yeah, maybe not. Because even like we do see the lack of tact, right? Because it's literally like, I'm not a believer in astrology. But if my partner was super into it, I would not use the words mumbo jumbo. Right. In front of them. them. I mean, just even the looks like he's just like, oh, like you're telling him he had to go to the dentist. 
you mm-hmm. know, and just like, ah. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I would be like, listen, I'm not going to, because I, and because I'd probably go the other way. I would be like, if this is what you want to do, we will go. I will not like talk shit. I will not do it, but I don't really believe it. And like, yeah. I'm not really, and, and part of it is I don't know that I could date someone who is super, who is that super into it because I, yeah. I'm kind of like, and I'm not really open to, to what they say. Like, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was interesting that he was like, I'm open minded. It's like, like are you? And you're, you're not. not. Like, right. I'm going to be honest about it. I'm not going to be open minded to what they right. say. Like, right. I will be polite and I will like listen, hear them out and listen to them. But I'm really going to be like at the end of the at the end of his reading, I'm not going to be like, well, maybe they have some good idea. That's not going to happen. No. Well, you know what Christian really means by open minded. If it were to go his way, he'd be like, yes, that that's right. <laughs> you know, but sure. if anything that makes him look bad or, you know, is negative in any way to him, he'd be like, nope, it's all mumbo jumbo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, probably. And like, you're going to believe her. Like, It's not going to be good because it didn't go his way. <laughs> it no, was very much it like, didn't. This is bad. You're a jerk. And your sign says you're a jerk. And like, and apparently you and Donald Trump like share uh-huh. astrological yeah, it's one of those readings. It's just like I, 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 I know so little about like what the thing with the, what each sign is supposed to be or whatever. Same. But that it's like when people are just like typical cancer. I'm like, I don't know what that means. Uh, like, <laughs> but I mean, but even the same time, like if you're getting into like uh, more detailed astrology, like this is like, it's not, yeah. it doesn't make a difference that you guys have the same birthday. The year also makes a difference too. And Christian yes. and Trump mm-hmm. are not the same age. So. Right. Because it's the positions of everything. everywhere. Right. Yeah. Right. Not just, so, not just the sun for sure. Yeah. He's not Trump's clone or twin or whatever you want to or call same it. Same exact uh, right. star reading, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was a little surprised at how emotional like Cleo got about it. Yeah, but, you know, and I think that's because they've definitely downplayed it since the first episode about how spiritual she is when it comes mm-hmm. to astrology. Yeah. Right. But I could hear I could see how it would be really devastating, like, you know, in your religion, if you were so religious, you know, and you could not date anyone outside your religion. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but you only found that out in the middle. Right. <laughs> After so you've been dating somebody for months, you find out, oh, sorry, they're not eligible for marriage. Yeah. yeah. I kind of feel like it's similar. Right. It's like you okay. don't Makes know sense. going into it that this is like not right. You know, but then you have these religious convictions that almost like dictate that you need to break up with this person. It, but it also seems a little stretched to me that they did that she didn't do, do this, this before. before yeah. Right. Like, because I know the people who are really into it and like, like friends who are people who are really into it who are like, as soon as you start dating somebody, you're like, what's their birthday? Tell me their birthday. <laughs> Like, right? Yeah. I need to know the the date. The t- do you have the time? Can you get their birthday time for me? Like, I need that too. Like, like, and they're like, you know, they, like it's before they even like start talking to people. Almost yeah. still do it, right? And so it's that's why I was like, if it meant that much to her that she waited this long to do it, seemed a little weird. And you know who else is a little weird is Nicola. Yeah. So Nietzsche and Nicola are at the beach for his favorite activity, fishing. They are, I guess, all made up after the fight with the, you know, talking about how he's lying, not lying because the church bells are ringing, blah, blah, blah. So they're fishing because, really because he likes fishing, but also because Jesus was a fisherman. So, <laughs> like, he's out here telling her about how he, about his fishing. He's been telling her about this fishing for seven years. So Misha's not really impressed with the amount of effort that goes into the fishing. <laughs> She's just like, you just like toss it off the rock and then just wait. But- even still, he's like, yeah, but you're doing it wrong. You're not. No, don't. Oh, stop. You're getting too close. I don't. So he says in the interview, he can tell immediately always when someone is good at fishing or not. And she definitely is not. So maybe he has a point about that, though, because like she falls off the rocks and like cuts yeah. her legs up everything. Like so once she he sees her bleeding, he's just like, oh, no, we got to go to shore. We got to stop. We got to go to shore. You need you need to stop the bleeding. And she's like, whatever. It's fine. It's not worried about the blood. Um but I think he really just wanted her to stop. Like, yeah. it's like, this is an excuse to make you stop. Just stop. And so anyway, he gets him out. He says, he really didn't have a, not a good time, did not have a good time fishing with her and says, that's probably the last time we'll ever go fishing together. 
So sure, he brings up the upcoming meeting with his mom and his brothers, both of, and they're both pretty nervous about that. Uh, Misha's worried that they won't like her because of her slutty past, and he's worried that she won't, you know, that her his mom won't like Misha because she's not, or he he keeps not saying Israeli. He's like from the Holy Land. Oh, um, gosh. So Nicola says that his mom can be a very mean woman. So you know you gotta be waiting for her to say some mean things. He doesn't want his mom. He's kind of starts hinting at, well, you know, I don't really want her to know you're divorced and that you have kids. That could just be like dropping an atomic bomb on everything. But Misha's like, I'm not going to go lie to your mom the first time I meet her. <laughs> like what she wants is for him to just like stand up and be as proud of her as she is of herself. So uh, Nicola promises to protect her. He's like, I promise I'll protect you. And she's like, that's not what I was asking for, but all right, and they'll see how things go tomorrow. So the next day, Nicola quickly gets ready by throwing on a t-shirt and jeans. He literally walks into the room and is like, I am ready. Let's, you are not ready. Why, why are you not ready? But she's got to go through her hair, her makeup, and all the outfit options, and he tries to be as patient as he can be, and eventually just like, Misha, put on clothes. We need to go. So then we see an hour later, and they're in the car, and it's like, not like they're getting in the car. They've been on the road. So he's warning her again to not be, you know, just don't be sad if my mom is rude to you. Um, so on top of everything else, it's also the first woman he's ever brought to meet his mom. So he says he's going to marry her 100% no matter what his family thinks, but it's going to make things harder if they hate her. <laughs> so they get there and they go inside and Misha brings flowers and chocolates to Nadia, his mom. So Nadia speaks no English, only Arabic. But, you know, is – I wouldn't say no English because she does know thank you very much, which she says to Misha. Misha compliments the food smells of the house and like this is where we get the first of uh, Nicola just refusing to translate for no particular reason. She's like, the food smells good. Tell her that. And he's like, what? She's like, tell her the food smells good. And Nicola's like, you tell her. And he's like, oh. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> it was very stupid because then he like leaves them sitting in the room by themselves, not being able to talk to each other. And he comes in and is like, so, like, stays for, like, three seconds. It's like, so anybody uh, need any water? And she's like, no, I need you to stay so you can translate. What are you doing? <laughs> He's like, oh, you can just talk to my mom. <laughs> she's like, Stupid. what are you doing? Like, <laughs> so soon, he really does not understand why he has to translate. He's like, eh, what's the big deal? Eh. So soon his brothers come in and everybody's friendly and welcoming to Misha. So Nadia brings out the food. And I got to say, maybe I was hungry. That food looked good. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, at, one, at, th at this point, Nicola gets very hesitant to tell anybody anything. Now, everybody knows what's up, right? Even Nadia knows what's up. She's like, this is weird. Why is he bringing this woman friend into my house? And why <laughs> after and from America? Uh, but anyway, so they ask, uh, they ask her and uh, they ask her like, hey, what's up? The brothers do because the brothers can speak some English. And they're like you know, well, how did you meet Nicola? And she's like, okay, Nicola, are you ready to tr tell them or translate for me? And he's like, nah, oh no, God, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't think we, I don't think I should. You can just talk in English and, and, it, and they'll translate for me because what it really sounds like to me is he doesn't want to have to be the person that says the things like um, that they find out about them. So they just bicker about it in front of the family. And then the brother, you know, asks when the brother does finally ask her again directly, like, where are you from? Like, how do you know him? That's when the episode ends before the fireworks start. So, um, like, I just, as someone who, like, Nicola studies the Bible and all the languages and translates it, you would think he understands that how languages work, right? Because it didn't sound like he did. <laughs> No, I just – I think he wanted the confusion, right? He didn't want people to communicate. He wants yes. to make his own narrative and just, like, have people be in the dark and, like, confused. And I feel like mom wouldn't really say anything, right? If, like, if Misha was sitting there having a full-on conversation with mom, right? Mm -hmm. Mom would just kind of smile and nod and Nika would sure. be happy, right? But, me, but Misha knows full well that mom doesn't understand anything. So that's what's complicating, like – Nico's like, ideal think, situation. <laughs> do you think that was his plan? Like, he's like, I will go. Misha will talk because she's a loudmouth woman. Right. And then my mom won't know anything. We can go. Misha will be happy that she, quote unquote, told my, like, she wasn't going to see right through that. Did she really, did she really think that? <laughs> but honestly, I think that's what his plan was. <laughs> like, let her go. Talk. 
don't translate anything. And then Misha feels good. My mom doesn't know anything. Yeah. And we're golden. Like, yeah. That's why he was just like, oh, you you can talk to her. She, yeah, have a conversation. Yeah. And it was just, it was so, it just Misha being like, but she doesn't speak English. She only speaks Arabic. You have to say it in Arabic. And he's like, no, 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 no. Just, 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 just it's fine. It's yeah. Fine. I don't know. This guy is like an idiot. I don't know how in the world he is like functioned and survived. Actually, it kind of makes sense to me a little bit. Like, he hasn't been in a relationship. I guess this does no. make sense. Yeah. Like, he lives a- with his mom. He yeah. goes and fishes. He translates the Bible. That's it. That's all he does. He's just done that for 40 some years. Oh, my gosh. He does have a very, very simple life. Yeah. It's it's it, it just – and that's what we've always said about him is him because, because he's never had this relationship that he's just, you know, making all those mistakes that most people make when they're 17 or 18. Right. right. And they're in their first or, or whatever, when they're in their first relationship. And um this is um but this but this is different. This is not one of those mistakes. Like people definitely made stupid mistakes. Sure. With, involving bringing people to their parents when they were 17 and 18. Yeah. But never like I think we should go and just not tell them anything. Right. Just awkwardly be there. Like that even 17-year-olds don't make that mistake. No. <laughs> just awkwardly sit in the same room as my mom and that'll be that'll be the way to win her over. I we honestly like I can't imagine that he's giving Misha much credit like as an intelligent person is like my takeaway from this, right? Like sure. oh, she'll believe whatever I say to her. She'll well, do I mean, whatever I say to her. Did you, you know? see how did you see how she was trying to fish? Obviously, she's an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) According to Nicola, at least, like he's just like you fish bad, like not good. And that was frustrating too because he wasn't like explaining what he was doing or telling her why she was doing it wrong. And she was like, "I got to get out to the rocks." He's like, "No, no, no. These are different fish. They actually like to hide under the rocks when the waves come in." He didn't say any of that. He was just like, "No, no, 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 just uh." Yeah, yeah. You're ruining my fishing. Uh. Yeah. Well, let's be real here. Nicola isn't a very good communicator in general. So, yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, he definitely seems to have some of that, you know, speaking of the Trump, that that, that thing where he kind of believes that if he knows something, everybody knows it. And if they yeah. say they don't know it, they're just being dumb on purpose. <laughs> Interesting. And so I can give it, well, you know what you're supposed to do. Why are you not doing it? You're just being a, you're just being difficult. Yeah. All right. So uh, we did not hear from Tyra and Carmel. I think their thing is all Hopefully wrapped up. done. Yeah. 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 And Rasvin and Amanda, we still, they're still in it because they were on our preview for next week. They just yes, weren't they in were. it today. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. out of the group we saw this week, who was your student of the week? I mean, I feel like, I don't know, we go back and forth because a couple people, but I thought Dempsey handled things very, very well. Yes. Yes. She got what she wanted mm-hmm. um, while also providing Statler with uh, kind of that sense of security that she, she wasn't, didn't, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't feeling. It wasn't antagonistic. It wasn't confrontational. It was right. like actually a productive discussion. Oh, like, absolutely. Like, yeah. It was very sweet. It was very sweet. She just, I, she just so... And I, I don't know if she's averagely emotional intelligent or actually really emotionally intelligent, but mm-hmm. compared to everybody else on the show, oh, right, like, sure. she's super emotionally intelligent. I think she's pretty emotionally intelligent. I think yeah. she's probably above I average. Her. Yeah, I think yeah. she gets things pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Who would you say is your dunce? I went with Violet. I did too. <laughs> just that was I'm just like, come on, you can't be completely blameless with everything. With everything. You gotta own up Not to even, something. No, you can't even go ten percent. Like, oh, okay, I egged him on a little bit. Maybe I should have. Yeah. I should have said there was nothing you could have done differently. I was a perfect angel in every situation. Right. Like, yeah, that's not no. And then also asking kind of like a tactless question where the answer had zero meaning to you whatsoever. Right. That yeah. was yeah, absolutely pointless. Um, all right. Uh, what about your life lesson? All right. So my life lesson aimed at Gino specifically oh, because gosh. we talked about Same how old he me. is. Yeah. But we didn't. Go into this. So when you're – people sometimes fall into the trap if they think about having a baby or mm-hmm. having kids and they think of literally having a baby or having small children. You could tell mm-hmm. Gina was like that. I'll walk him to school when I retire. And it's like, great. going to drive him to college when you're 75? 
Yeah. You're gonna like, right? You're gonna or or older than that, or well, you know, you're gonna what, what? What are you gonna do? You have to consider them because you don't need to just be there for your children when they're children. Like right. it's kind of important that you're there for them when they're teenagers and when they're young adults as well. Like they still need their people. 20-year-olds still need their parents. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, mine was also inspired by Gino, but a different perspective of, you know, his wanting a child. Um, you don't know what the future holds for children. So to say you aren't complete without one is setting yourself up for potential unhappiness in life. Like, mm-hmm. how does he even know he can have children? And so how does to kind of, even on the table? Yeah. Right. So, how, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of say, like, my life would not be complete without children, I think is just like setting yourself up for like you know an incomplete life right you're saying if that's what makes you complete and i can't have this thing like okay so it's like why are you even saying that without this thing that's beyond my control literally beyond my control Yeah. yeah yeah so all right um we might be a day late next week i'm thinking Probably, yes. Uh, yes. So, um, based on travel stuff. Travel stuff, yes. I will be out of the country for a weekend wedding. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Um, so, I won't be able to watch this while I'm out of the country for the weekend. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, probably have to watch it on Monday. So, we'll cover it on Tuesday. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, until then. All right. See everybody then. Okay. Bye. Okay, bye. Good.